and drum and sing page 223, Springs of Living Water. It's just like his great love.
tower up to the sky so why do I try you never asked me to be rich buy the things that gold can buy so why do I try all you my heart, my heart, my simple heart. To you, that's all that really matters. Why do I feel I have to reach? Believe I have to rise when you never said I had to climb these broken ladders. Never ask me to be complete by myself, find all I need. So why do I try? You never ask me to stand alone, face the struggles on my own. So why do I try? When all That's all that really matters. Why do I feel I have to reach? Believe I have to rise when you never said I had to climb these broken ladders. Cause all they do is take my eyes off of you. Make me forget the truth All you ever wanted was my heart My heart, my simple heart To you that's all that really matters Why do I feel I have to reach Believe I have to climb when you never said I had to climb Oh, you never said I had to climb These broken ladders Well, if you would take your Bibles, turn to Ephesians or Exodus chapter 2, Exodus chapter 2. <clears throat> Good to have Mrs. Chin here today. Good to see her back in her spot. We were just about ready to give it away, but we're going to see back in time to keep it. We praise the Lord for answered prayer. Don't you love answered prayer? You know, every time we see someone we prayed for, we ought to just thank God because that's answered prayer. We get to witness, and um, so we be thankful 
Good to have you back, Miss Chen. We missed you. Glad you're back. Sure. Amen. Amen. The value of a good church home is, uh, you know, you miss it until you need it, and then they show up, and it's a real blessing. Um, I think we had a couple of couples still, if they wanted to give testimony, they could, uh, from test uh, from a couples retreat. Love to work you in if you would like to give testimony. Well, we got one moving. That's good. Where's your Where's your wife? Going to go get her. Thank you, Abigail. Abigail, get her. She's going to love this. She hasn't had any chance to. Anyone else? Well, we did have a good time at Couples Retreat, and I would, uh, if you've never gone, I'd encourage you to go at least once, and uh, I think it'd be a real blessing to you. It's uh, really amazing to see other couples, to know that you're not the only one in the fight and that the fight is worth it and, uh, you know, to gain insight to help you uh, in your walk with the Lord uh, and your walk as a couple with the Lord is really a good thing. So, Tiffany, your husband's already volunteered you guys to come up and give testimony, so come right away. Okay, well, um, this is our first time to go, and uh, it was really fun, really exciting. Um, so there was um, one session that I saw when I looked through the book, and I was like, man, there's 16 things on here that the man is supposed to learn, and only six for the woman. So I was like, we really should go to that one, because I'm pretty sure there, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that he needs. So, <laughs> But then... Um, yeah, we didn't go to that one. So um, then when, when Tim Berlin, Brother Tim Berlin, preached on um, the treasures, and I know a lot of people already talked about this this morning, but um, talked about the treasures in the fields, and um, he started out with the church and how when you come to a church and you see the church, you're like, man, that has got the best preaching, that's got the best youth group, um, I'm coming to this church because, man, they are just so friendly. And, you know, it's the friendliest church I've been to. And he said, but you got to remember that we are a field also. And um, so there's rocks and um, thorns and all sorts of things in our church, in our field. And um, we will see those and we can focus on those and not see the reason that we first came to this church. And so he turned that into like a marriage where um, you have to think about why is the reason, what's the reason, the treasures that I saw in the first place as to why, what drew me to my husband or my wife. And um, he said our focus should be on the treasure, not on the field. Look for the treasures and say thank you for them. You're not entitled to these treasures. They are a blessing that we start to look over. And I know for me, there's in 20 years, there's a lot of field <laughs> that uh, I'll be like man if only he did this or if only he did that and I know for a fact that especially lately that I've been really focusing on that field instead of remembering oh yeah I I loved him for this reason and and I was drawn to him for this reason 
And so the field is where we do not want to focus on. There's treasures, and we don't want to admit to them anymore, which is one of my things. I'm like, I'm not going to admit that all these treasures that he has. I'm going to look at this field that he has got a big thorn right here. <laughs> and uh, I, I really, it really did speak to my heart a whole lot that um, I have a lot, a lot of treasures that I just do, I take over, I overlook them because um, of all the thorns, and even Satan tried, as soon as we got home, the kids were loud and a mess, and I started going, come on, get, get those kids together, what is wrong with you, <laughs> and I'm like, it's just, it started, and I was like, oh, oh, the field, the field, I'm like, I need to remember those treasures, because, you know, you never know um, when they might not be there. And that's why I should go first, because he just stole pretty much what I was gonna, gonna do. Uh, mine is as big of a field. The, the field isn't quite that big. Uh, no, but uh, it was actually our first time going, and uh, just different things prevented us in the past from going. And it's one of those where, you know, people can get the idea, you know, we've been married 20 years. If you've lasted this long, you're good, you know. And obviously, there's still a lot of field, you know. Uh, so, no. No, we're not, we're not there yet uh, by any means. And, um, you know, but just uh, going back to what, to what Tiff was talking about, um, it's, it's easy once you're, once you're married and, you know, the weeks and months and years go by um, that you do focus on the things that irritate you rather than the things that you fell in love with. And... Uh, and uh, Um, they, uh, one thing, and I didn't write it on the comment card, but they don't, or didn't this year anyway, do an invitation, and I wish they had of, because when we were done with that one, and just praying, I was just in my chair crying, thinking how crazy it is that I would let little things irritate me so much. Toothpaste, <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, just a bunch of stupid stuff that when you're first married, it, it may be irritating, but you don't care because you love that person and you want to spend time with them and be with them all the time rather than anything else. And then, and then you get busy in life and and, you know, then you start looking at the, the little things, and, and that's what they are. They're little things that don't matter. And, uh, you know, you get kids, and, and you tend to focus on them, and sometimes you let your relationship go. And uh, once I know I live, and I'm going to work on my field. know how to follow up after that <laughs> um it's seriously the same thing just the field and he did give us homework to go back into our rooms and 
to talk about our own fields and our own treasures with each other. And so we decided to only tackle three because believe it or not, we have a lot more than that already. Um, so we went through and did three of each for each other. And it was just, um, it brought a lot of humility expressing my own faults to him and saying it out loud and the fields that I know I need to work on. But there was just a humility in expressing it to him and um, telling him and committing to him that I'm going to work on those and I want to work on those together. And um, so, yeah, that was a big part of it. And we got in the car and I had already failed. And um, it was just, it's just something that we're going to work at together. And um, just knowing that we give grace to each other and we love each other despite those things. And um, hopefully it just brings more joy for next year and the years to come. Um, so Tiffany got up here and started talking about the field and Reagan was like, oh, that's what I was going to say. And that's what I was like, that's what I was going to talk about. And then Aaron starts talking about it because that's what he was going to talk about. So it sounds like you've heard a lot about the field. So it was very good and very impactful. And um, the treasures, it's good to um, remind ourselves that they're always there. Um, they didn't leave. Uh, we just stopped focusing on them. And so that was a good reminder as well. Um, he also talked a lot about personal responsibility and um, that was very challenging to me because I think oftentimes I know oftentimes when a bad situation happens or we get angry about something we always tend to blame the situation or we blame someone else for our bad attitude and the reality is we make a choice and we can control how we respond to a situation and believe it or not there are times that my wife has irritated me in the uh, in these almost three years and the thing is it's not her fault it's my fault I've figured that out it's my, my personal responsibility to respond to any situation with love and um, it's just very challenging when you actually start thinking about um, the fact that you can't control anybody else's actions you can only control the way that you respond and we've heard that several times several times going up. I have, I know I have, but um, just the way that he put it was very clear and um, very challenging, and I am going to look f uh, for opportunities to take more self-responsibility, and it was also just challenging with uh, thinking about raising our daughter in the future. Well, we are raising her now, but just uh, <laughs> teaching her um, personal responsibility as well, and um, just trying to establish that as a at a young age. So I would encourage you to go if you haven't. Um, and I would say, uh, get an early start. I know we've only been married two, three years, but I think a lot of times we, um, how do I put it? We fantasize about being first married. And um, I think a lot of times we give ourselves false expectations that everything's going to be good. And we hear that even uh, the first few years, yeah, they're great. Well, sometimes there's still difficulties in those first few years. And I think that it's important to be mindful of that as you're looking into uh, the um, decision of marriage. It's a big deal. And I, there are hard times sometimes, even when you're first starting out. And I think it's important to go to these meetings like these where you learn to, um, or you get more tools and learn how to deal with those situations and just get a head start, if nothing else. If you don't have those hard times, praise the Lord, 
and just uh, learn to have those tools uh, available when the hard times do come, because they will. <laughs> and I just think it's important. We always enjoy it, so I'd encourage you to go. All right. Praise the Lord. Exodus chapter 2. <clears throat> Verse number one, and there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not, uh, not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. And she had compassion on him, and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said uh, to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. I just must confess, every time I read this, I think, I can't, uh, help but think how good God is that you got paid to take care of your own child. That is, that, that must become a government program or something, you know what I mean? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for our time together this afternoon. Speak to our hearts. Use this for your honor and glory. We love you. We ask it in your precious name. Amen. And so there's uh, many great things to be learned uh, from this portion of scripture, and I'm not going to emphasize directly on that whole outline because I would love to talk about where they were, why it's all happening, but most of you have been in church long enough. You understand that the, uh, 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 he, the Hebrew children were flourishing. Pharaoh was mad about it. He said, we need to start killing all the children. Uh, Jochebed and her husband, Ram, uh, they feared God more than they did man. And uh, when Moses was born, the Bible records that he was a goodly child, which I think all children are goodly children, you know. Uh, and they decided they were going to go against the command of Pharaoh. And so they hid their child uh, as long as they could. And finally, they came to the point that, you know, we've, we've got to do something. They do, came up with this plan of a, a bulrush basket, and they pitched it. Uh, with slime and, and uh, uh, pitch, and they put the baby, baby Moses in there. And uh, here comes the daughter of Pharaoh. God's hand of mercy is so amazing. Uh, she sees uh, the bulrush uh, art, and they pull it forward. And, uh, you know, Moses cried on cue, and her heart broke, and he lives. Uh, what a wonderful story. Uh, I want to consider a few things today where thinking about God's mercy and how it overcomes man's injustice. The injustice was being that 
all the Hebrew children ought to be put to death, and yet we see God's mercy in the fact that Moses' life is spared uh, throughout this. The first thing we notice is the ministry of a mom. The ministry of a mom. There's nothing like a mom. Uh, I'm so thankful for the mom that I had, her influence in my life. Uh, well, you know, I'm thankful for my dad, but I think you know, we watched uh, in, in uh, raising our boys that they went through phases where it was mom and then they turned to dad and they wanted a closeness with dad and then they, they went back. To Why don't you kill this and I'll go to this. <clears throat> They, uh, so they started out, they went to mom, and then they went to dad, and then uh, helped them through those formative years and starting to work, and then girls came into their life, they went back to mom, uh, you know, and uh, then now we're kind of equal co-shares, although I think I have a little bit more influence uh, in their life now because they're trying to raise kids, you know, and so that it kind of goes back and forth like that. Um, and so uh, here, um, the mom's importance is just so important. I was so thankful for the influence that my mom had, and uh, I still hold precious memories in my heart that I trust I get to hold and to the day that I get to go to heaven of her influence and her love and the way she cared. Um, and so uh, the ministry of a mom. Uh, perhaps there's no greater opportunity to make a profound impact on the life of a child than a mother. And Jochebed was a remarkable mother and had a remarkable opportunity uh, to make an impact because she was impacting Moses. Who had any idea who Moses was going, going to grow up to be? I remember holding our babies and thinking, I just wonder, what was this child going to grow up to be like? And if I would have known, I would have worked harder in, in Nathan's life. And, but anyhow... Um, so you, you hold them, you wonder, what are they going to grow up to be like? Who are they going to grow up to be? You know, what's going to be their strong suits? Um, moms have a loving, um, lovingly protects their children. Uh, and uh, here we see Jochebed and uh, Aram look at their baby, uh, baby Moses, and they refer to him as a goodly child. And uh, it's worth pointing out that really all children are good gifts from God. Psalms 127.3 says, Lo, children are heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. So don't want to take for granted when God gives you a child. Uh, he gives you that child for a reason and a purpose, and you ought to be thankful for the children that God's given you. And when they start to become 13 and 14, still be thankful. Amen. And uh, just trust God. Uh, God's the giver of life, and he, he recognizes life at conception. Uh, this is a big issue in America today. When does life actually begin? I believe it, it begins at conception at the very point uh, that uh, that baby begins, the cells begin to divide. I believe God is there. He knows that. Jeremiah 1.5 says, uh, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. What a statement when you think about it. Before I formed thee, in the belly. So even before the fetus is there, God says, I knew you. I already saw that beginning to happen. So I, that's what kind of leads me to when the cells begin to divide. The fetus not even there yet. God, God knows that's a life. And before thou camest out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. 
Um, and so uh, she lovingly protects, a mom lovingly protects her children. Uh, Hebrews eleven twenty three. speaking of Moses, says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months from his parents because they saw that he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. In Proverbs 22, 6, um, we find the responsibility of children lie with their parents. Uh, Proverbs 22, 6 says, Tramp a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Um, I'm thankful for a church family uh, that believes that, you know, we need to raise our children for God's glory. And many homeschool their children to keep them out from under the influence of the public school and all that's being taught there in those uh in those um, halls of learning. Uh, Across America, I just read this out of the book here. It says, across the United States, more and more schools are allowing teachers to push the LGBTQ ideologies on students. They're ideologies, not ideologies, um, but ideologies. Even promoting non-traditional sexual preferences or gender transitions without parents' knowledge. For instance, emails exchanged between a staff at a school in Pennsylvania revealed the school attempting to hide a middle schooler's preferred pronouns and gender transitions from her parents. The email also revealed that school was encouraging other middle schoolers to start an LGBTQ-related club. And, uh, you know, when we come down to it, it's the parents' responsibility to train their children, to see that they are taught. And uh, we need to accept that. I'm glad to see young couples like Stephen Reagan being entrusted with Lil Paisley, and they recognize the importance of training her up, and she's got to be trained. And part of that is discipline, part of that is love, and then as she begins to continue to develop, it'll be the educational aspect, which she's already getting education, just living life uh, there in their home. And that fundamental responsibility relies with them. Brother Steve, uh, Grandpa Stephen, Steve, Grandpa, it's not his responsibility. He fulfilled his responsibility in training Stephen, right? And Reagan's mom and dad fulfilled their responsibility in training them. So now it's their responsibility to oversee the raising of Paisley. But I know good grandparents are always willing to step in. And a good church is always willing to step in and love and encourage our children as they grow in the Lord. Uh, So we see that she lovingly protects, talking about a mother. She also trusts in providence. Uh, In Exodus 2-3, And when she could no longer hide him, she took him uh, an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in flags of the riverbank. And here's little baby Moses there. Uh, She's trusting God uh, for the outcome. And um, I was at the couple's retreat, and I had a friend of mine that pastors up north from us here come to me. And he said, Brother Minister, I want to say, you guys did a great job in raising Jeremiah. I said, whoa, stop right there. I said, uh, my wife and I, we take no credit for the raising of our children. And he goes, no, 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 you deserve credit. I said, no, no, no. Listen to what I want to tell you. I said, all we did was we put tools before them, and they made the choice. Jeremiah was given the same opportunities that um, Ben was given and Nathan was given, and they each make a choice with what's presented to them. I said, Jeremiah just chose good things. That's why he's the man that he is. 
and Ben chose what he chose, and that's what he is, and, ben, and Nathan chose what he chose. So what that does, it, it provides, first of all, that we don't become proud and big-headed about something we really had nothing to do with. It was choices that the children made with what they were presented, but it also keeps us from accepting the blame that's not really ours because we did our part to train right and proper and they chose to do wrong. That's not my fault that they chose to do wrong. It was their decision that they made. So um, we see that uh, here, uh, Jochebed does her part, and she trusts God, and God opened the door. Like I said, it's amazing how that she ends up getting paid to nurse her child and to raise, really, the Bible records probably, or uh, um, the historians record that more than likely she raised that child to five or six years of age. I also find the backstory of that very interesting in the fact that Pharaoh's daughter takes Moses and then takes her into the palace where he's not supposed to be because he should have been killed under Pharaoh's edict, and yet Moses gets raised inside the palace. It's just an amazing story when you think about God's province and how that he works in the lives of individuals. So the first thing we see is the ministry of the mom. The second thing we see is the mercy of God. Man, I'm so thankful. The longer I live, the more thankful I am for the mercy of God. It protects us in so many ways, like protects us from stupidity, and it protects us from things that we don't know about. Uh, protects us from the power of injustice that is around us. Um, God's mercy is ever-present. And so it was uh, in the lives of Jochebed and even Moses. It was shown to Jochebed, uh, the mercy of God, uh, in Exodus 2, 5, and 6. Uh, when the daughter of Pharaoh went down to the riverside and saw the baby and uh, Moses cried and she had compassion. Um, it was an incredible miracle of what happened there, how that God intervened on behalf of this baby Moses because he had a plan for Moses' life and he had a plan for Jochebed and Aram's life. And so we see the great grace of God and the mercy of God in Exodus 2.9, we read, And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I'll give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. Pharaoh's daughter brought Moses into her home, adopted him, then paid his own mother to care for him during the early formative years of his life. What an amazing God we serve. Jochebed probably cared for Moses until he was five or six years old. His early developmental years, his influence was so formative in his life that although he grew up in an Egyptian palace 40 years later, he still knew that he was a Hebrew. No doubt it was through Jochebed's early nurturing that Moses was firmly rooted with his identity as the people of God. And uh, I cannot emphasize to young parents enough the importance of training your children, not waiting till they're like eight or nine years old. The training, to me, the majority of training takes place from the from the time you bring them home until they're like seven years old. So many things get set in stone in those early formative years. And uh, so you've got that responsibility. You need to embrace it and accept it and pray for the wisdom of God. And so we see that it showed up, the grace of God showed up in Jochebed and it showed, it's shown to Moses. God not only showed mercy to Jochebed, he showed mercy to Moses as well through compassion Pharaoh's daughter had on him. You know, he was spared genocide because as 
uh, Moses or his Pharaoh's daughter looked into the, the ark, she saw him and he cried and her heart had compassion. What an amazing thing, uh, Pharaoh's daughter having this compassion. Acts 7, verse 21, 22 says, And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. And so uh, he had grown up in an amazing uh, opportunity that God had placed before him and given him an opportunity to be raised so that he might be the leader of God's children when they would leave uh, headed to the promised land. So we see the ministry of a mom, the mercy of God, and the final thing we see is the making of Moses. The making of Moses. Uh, God's preserving a man that would one day be enabled to be a deliverer of an entire nation. Um, if you would have told me that when we were raising uh, Jeremiah that he would grow to be the man that he is today, I would say that's my prayer and that's my desire. Those cho choices will be his. Um, and so I even now stand back and go, wow, God, thank you for using uh, Jeremiah this way or using Ben this way, uh, even Nathan. Uh, we need to realize that uh, we need to be following God and inputting in the lives of our kids all that we can for the goodness of God. I've reminded my wife many times that it's in the dark of the night that those things that they've been taught will always come back to them. They, they'll never get away from the truth that's been implanted in their minds and in their hearts. And so uh, God was preserving a man. You know, we don't know. One day Paisley may grow up to marry the finest preacher that's ever preached in the world, you know? I don't imagine that um, when Billy Graham was born, his mom looked down at Billy Graham and said, oh, he's going to become a great preacher. He's going to preach all across America, and thousands of people are going to be one to the Lord. But that's what he did. The great Billy Sunday, his mom didn't look down and say, oh, I'm sure Billy Sunday is one day going to set the world on fire for the cause of Christ, or, or Sam Davidson's mom. Uh, you know, these things, they, God has a plan, and we need to do our part to raise our children that they can be usable in the hand of God. So uh, we see his identity. Jochebed's influence in Moses' life was strongest during his most formative years. Hebrews eleven twenty four and 20 through 26 says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Again, that's a choice. He had been trained. He had to make the choice. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Moses grew up in an Egyptian world. I like this phrase. Moses grew up in an Egyptian world, but identified as a child of God. Okay? Moses grew up in an Egyptian world, but identified as a child of God. We're growing up in a carnal world, but we need to be identified as children of God. We just we need to make that decision. I don't want to be called after this world or the God of this world. I want to follow after my God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we see his identity. Next we see his failure. You know, Moses wasn't a perfect man. By the way, none of us are. Uh, none of us are perfect husbands, are we, Aaron? It, we, you know, life gets on and life happens. Of course, we're married to imperfect women, too. 
Um, and I mean, that's just what we are. That's who we are. Until we cross that threshold, till we get to heaven, that's when we're going to be perfect right now. We're flesh and blood. We fail each other. We fail one another. Um, but I'm thankful for a great God who forgives and still willing to use people who fail. Amen. In Exodus 2, 11 and 12, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian, smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Always takes me back when I remember this story. He looked this way and he looked that, and he slew the man, thinking that that was it, but it was out. And so we always got to be mindful. We may look this way, we may look that way. God still sees, and you're going to reap what you sow. You can't hide it. It will come out. And so it was here in the life of Moses. He, uh, he shed blood, and because of that, it was known. Acts seven twenty four and 25, And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian, for he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God, by his hand, would deliver him, but they understood not. And so uh, we find that this leads to Moses' solitude. So we see his identity, we see his failure, and now we see his solitude. He heads to the backside of the desert. Uh, Pharaoh's out to kill him, Exodus 3.1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And so because of the sin that he committed, he had to do his punishment, his time, that was solitude on the backside of the desert. He went and he did that uh, 40 years. Uh, it, was a it was a finishing school, if you would. Uh, it's where he would learn dependence upon God. He would learn to walk with God. Some have termed it college in the desert. Uh, he went to be trained of the Lord to prepare uh, for the work ahead. And uh, in James 1, 3, and 4, we, we read, Knowing this, that the trying of our faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So God may send you to the desert, but that's okay. Learn what he has for you there while you're there, that you might grow to be more like him. And finally, we see his surrender. Uh, when Moses, again, 40 years later, uh, he's a more humble man and he has a direct encounter with God. He's a transformed man. In Exodus 3, 2, and verses 4 and 5, we read, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Verse 4, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Verse 5, and he said, draw not, nigh, or draw not nigh thither, but put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. So um, here he's encountering God. God's going to tell him he's calling him to go to the people, and Moses begins to make excuses. Boy, this is mankind in a nutshell. Uh, he, Moses makes four excuses of why he can't go. Moses says, uh, I can't go because of my past failures. They made him feel inadequate. The second thing is the Israelites would not believe that God has sent me and would want evidence. The third thing was the Israelites would not believe him or obey his voice. And the fourth thing is he could not speak with eloquence, but was slow of speech. 
And yet when God calls us, God prepares us for the job to do. And I wonder how many times Moses might have looked at Aaron and thought, could you be quiet and let me just tell people what, they, what I want them to hear? Uh, but instead, he had to deal with Aaron, had to work through Aaron, because that was something that he chose, because he refused to just directly do what God had called him to do. And so we see his identity, his failure, his solitude, uh, his surrender, and God's triumph was the fact that God took Moses and used him in a great and mighty way to be a deliverer of God's people. Had Moses' parents not trusted God, if they had lived in fear of the injustice of man around them, we would not have the great story of Moses. And I wonder who God would have then had to raise up to use in Moses' stead uh, to deliver his people from the punishment that they were under. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your many blessings to us. I pray that we would seek to walk with you and to know you. I pray that as parents, we would seek to raise our children for your honor and your glory. Lord, that uh, you would raise them up to be used in such a way to bring honor and glory to you. Help us as parents to have wisdom and knowledge and, and help us to do what's right when it comes to the training of our children. And then, Lord, we pray that uh, you would just help us to walk by faith with you each and every day. We live in a carnal, wicked world. Help us to keep our eyes upon the fact that we're children of God headed to a better country and a better place than this one that we live in. Thank you for this time together today. Use this invitation for your glory. We love you. We ask it in your blessed name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Uh, 306, God spoke to your heart. Encourage you to come. Brother Jay, if you will. Job, and then ladies, you have a ladies meeting Thursday night at what time? 6.30, awesome. And um, then uh, next weekend, we're going to have um, the couple with us. Where's Brother James? Brother James, say their name. Oh, you don't know the last name. Lalo, so we all need to learn. Lalo, Caitlin. Lalo and Caitlin, Okay. And we'll just hear it from them. And we'll probably all have it wrong. But anyhow, uh, looking forward to having them. Uh, I did a interview of uh, 
I don't know, probably 15, 25 questions, and they're all spectacular answers. I really, in my heart, am feeling, unless something just happens during this on our part, that this is probably the couple for us. But it's a two-edged sword, right? They make a choice, we make a choice. We want them where God wants them, and we want who God wants for us. So um, we'd be praying for them, that they'd have the wisdom of God. We pray for us to have the wisdom of God. We want God to use them wherever God would seek to use them. And so I'm excited about having them with us next weekend. Uh, next Saturday night, 6 o'clock, meet in Fellowship Hall. Uh, we'll have a dessert time meet and greet. I encourage you to plan for that. And uh, then he'll teach Sunday school and teach or preach this uh, next Sunday afternoon. So be praying for him. Pray for traveling mercies and for God to lead in our life. The rest of the uh, announcements here in the bulletin. And then as we find out about Brother Medlin, I'll be posting that online uh, so that we can be a part of those services and be a blessing to Mr. Medlin. We'll probably need some food uh, and, you know, for dinner for the family. Uh, I'm sure Mrs. Benson will use... Uh, however she does that Facebook thing and uh, get that all lined up. So just be watching and, uh, you know, we want to be a blessing to the family at this time. Let's close in prayer. Good to be together today. Brother Stephen, would you close us in prayer? more like you and we walk out